0: Hello and welcome to the Metapod Pokemon TCG podcast that revolves around the evolving meta. Today we got a very special episode. Uh, Sean and I weren't able to uh, record last week. I was over like five states away. Sean has an actual life. You know, the the (laughs) busy busy happens.
1: What? We all have actual life. I just have, I have job too. And I'm just like, like, you have like an adult official life.
0: But (laughs) we've got a lot of great stuff for you today. We are going on part two. Of what I call, dubbed on YouTube, the rising stars of the online era. First, we talked to two different content creators, like Shay from the Slowpoke Well and Pumpka Amy. Um, but now we are going into the online TOs. This is an instrumental part that has been incredible to see in the last like year and a half. We have wonderful people in here. We have Connor and Neil with us today. Limitless, Connor and. Neil Pye, or you may know Connor as Doomsday. That's another alias that they run. But uh, friends, introduce yourselves. Let's go Limitless Connor first introducing ourselves.
2: Yeah, so I'm Connor. Um, I am the Limitless stream coordinator, um, basically. (laughs) Uh, Behind the scenes, running the streams for Limitless. Um, I also now run streams for um, a company who sell TCG products in Europe as well. So it's actually a full-time job now, which is super cool. Um, But yeah, run streams, do terribly at tournaments. (laughs) Basically me. Hey, you know what? I I
0: help run a podcast about the Pokemon trading card game, but how many online finishes in the top eight do I have? (laughs)
1: I'll
0: tell you that right now. But congratulations on your full-time job, by the way.
2: Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, Keeps me surprisingly busy. There's a lot more work involved when you actually have to do it all day, every day, but it's good.
1: Yeah. Uh, and Neil, do you want to introduce yourself?
3: Uh, okay, yeah. So most people uh, that have heard of me would probably know me as the lead organizer of the Sunday Open, uh, which I ran for, well, over a year now. Um, uh, I also was one of the lead organizers on POG 2020, uh, and I'm an in-real-life organizer and judge.
0: I know you best from your from – your, you... Literally run the best giveaways on Twitter.
3: uh the busted <laughs> giveaways too. Yeah, that's that's a new thing that 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 I find funny. <laughs> so I keep doing it. That's that's the only the only thing behind that.
0: I think yeah, I found some. I'm sad I, I didn't win the ripped card. I I really I actually really
3: wanted that. That was that that a genuine ripped card as well. I, I'd had it set on my desk for ages, and I was looking at it, and I saw all these people going, "Hey, I'm going to give away shiny crow and shiny dragon and I was like, "You know what?" <laughs> Someone yeah. needs to win a ripped farfetch that I found on a table eighteen months ago. Yeah, let's have that. And uh, yeah, six people joined, and uh, <laughs> it, it was a huge, a huge success. In my book, it, it's funny, it's trendy, and that's kind of like
0: that's kind of like the epitome, though, of like both of you in the scene. It's just like having that sort of impact. You know, like although it was six people, you know, like so many people saw you know, that giveaway and so many people had good laughs because that's like the trendy thing to do now is with these online cards, just giving stuff away. And, and you know what? You also have given away many opportunities for my Sean, Sean's run tournaments. And that speaking of actually, I'm going to deviate. Wow. I'm going, <laughs> way, I'm going way off the rail today, but Sean, you put, I saw the first Digimon tournament. Mm-hmm. on play limitless.
1: Uh-huh. I hacked the website. No. No. So Connor actually reached out to me. Well,
0: I mean like you you like you're the or- yes. you're the organizer for it. But like it is the Digimon is on Play Limitless now.
1: Yes. I know this is a Pokemon pod, but yeah, Connor reached out cuz I think Connor also know. is also a Digimon <laughs> person. He has been sucked Very much so <laughs> into the world of Digimon like myself. And um yeah, I, I he, he obviously knows that I like Digimon and it's like, "Oh, um a Pokemon person who's familiar with our platform has used it before and also plays Digimon. That's a very, the Venn diagram there is very small. So, uh, I was, uh, fortunate enough, uh, to get the opportunity to test it out. And hopefully after next Wednesday, I mean, I, I'm not expecting any, uh, issues. And Connor, I have a new, have you see, as you've seen on my discord, a bunch of people that I've listed attorney organizers that I'm hoping to sort of shepherd onto the, the limitless platform because, I mean, we'll talk about this later when we, when we get into it, but Play Limitless is just, it, it's so incredible for the Pokemon scene. Uh, not only the ease of organizing and hosting tournaments, but, like, the data that you get afterwards and the access to that data is, it's not something any other TCG has. I think Magic may have it in some capacity, yeah, it's, but, like, otherwise it's all very manual, for people to find deck lists and, and everybody's just kind of going on gut feel like, Oh, I think this deck is being played the most. And so it's nice to have something that tells you your gut might not be right. So yeah, very exciting. Uh,
2: but I guess break it. Don't break the website. I I don't
1: think we'll break it's only 32 (laughs) players. So I think you can, you can manage 32 for the first one. Um, but yeah, I mean, getting back into Pokemon, I guess we can just start diving into uh to the questions now. Like we like Jake was saying, we wanted to like sort of turn the attention to the tournament organizer side of things during COVID. But you know, we'd love to know before the pandemic happened, right? I think you know, for Pumpka Amy, I think that she was a judge, I believe it was in her locals, uh, but was not a content creator. Um. So, but Shay was a content creator and player for a long time. For both of you, uh, we'll start with Neil. You know, what was your involvement in the community like uh, before the pandemic? Uh, just to, just to give people context as to how it changed.
3: Yeah, so um, before everything went down, I was I was running uh, two leagues, two local leagues, one in a in a hobby club and one in a, a gaming shop, uh, and very much concentrated on the local scene. I would get involved on Twitter with a lot of Pokemon players, just mucking about and making stupid comments and sharing bad deck lists and that sort of thing playing very bad decks to regionals doing really badly the usual run of the mill kind of thing um but then as the as the pandemic started to hit last year um there was a lot of talk about we needed to to shut things down uh, and before we did i'd already been running i think prior to probably 2019 i i organized some online tournaments just through local friends on Twitter with about fourteen, eighteen 18 players through a Discord server, um, like Thursday nights or something. But as we shut our league, it was my Sunday league, we shut down, and it was like, well, what am I going to do on a Sunday now? So immediately that Sunday, I, I got out on Twitter and was like, does anyone want to play in an online tournament, see what happens? And we got about 30 players, I think, and it it kind of all went from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think you know the Sunday Open now is kind of one of those staples. But I'm I'm amazed that you were doing online tournaments before
3: the pandemic. Because like... well, it's never really seemed that off to me to do it. Like I've always been gaming online anyway. Yeah, and we all communicate online anyway. We've all got Discord servers here and there. Uh, our local uh, Pokemon leagues all have a Facebook chat. That everyone's on all the time so it, it really to me as someone who i work online I've, I've been online since i'm older than most of you but since very early days very very early days uh i've been online so i'm kind of used to it it just seemed the obvious thing to do i don't see why it, and that's kind of maybe that was advantageous when the pandemic hit because there were certain people who were already geared up i think to make that switch into online who were already ready to like start powering out content, for example, for content creators. There were certain TOs who'd already been working online and communicating online for years, and were able to do that and switch straight into it and have success. Whereas uh, it took maybe I think sort of six months or so before we really started seeing a lot of activity start to come through. Um, The first six months of the pandemic was was very quiet. I think we had maybe two or three online tournaments and that was about it. but i say so having that experience of doing that it didn't seem strange to me it was just a very obvious thing to do
0: i just think for the majority of players like especially during those first six months you know we didn't really like get the magnitude of like everything going on so everyone was like ah we'll just hold out for a little bit you know play some Fortnite or whatever you know a couple other games and then once irl events come back in like three months we'll be fine and then
3: that's that it. I was happened. I was like, I'll do this Sunday tournament. It'll probably be six weeks. It'll be fine. Six mm-hmm. or seven yeah. weeks. <laughs> just just so we can keep our hand in. Be, yeah. And here we are. Was <laughs> here we are, 18 months later. <laughs> I'm Still ask, doing it. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask real
0: quick, what what is it like? So so you were doing the Sunday, you were doing the Sunday open. What was almost yeah. like the pressure like to keep it going and to keep Sunday Open, like happening literally every single Sunday, just about uh, it with was, the influx of people that were just coming in and coming in and coming in.
3: It was huge after POG. After POG happened, um, I hit. A, I personally hit a bit of a black spot. It, you know, I would. I would put it down to burnout. Um, I didn't want to do it anymore. I'd only envisioned in my head. I'd only sort of got my head around. I'll do this for the summer, and then you know, once the summer's out of the way, I go back to work. You know, lockdown stops. We all go back to normal when it's done. But it just kept on growing. And like for me, it was very difficult. It was very difficult to, when you're, I I try to explain it to a lot of people because people think, well, all you're doing is standing at a computer and you choose to do it anyway. But when you're locked in to do something that is scheduled every single week, and that's an amount of time that you you don't want to get out of. You want to do it. but that's time you could otherwise be spending with your family or spending with your friends and you're just sitting there for six hours getting abuse and <laughs> which is very true there were times when like the headphones came off and got thrown across the room <laughs> uh no word of a lie and I think I, t- I had to take a few weeks out I just had to stop and was like sorry guys and the- I much love to like you might know Jono and Nathan at the time so that's uh kaiser scorch you might know nathan has literally took over i was like look guys i can't do this i need a few weeks threw the headset off and didn't come back for a few weeks i came back just with a, a different handle on things a really different handle on things now it's good lotp helps a lot which is good helped a huge lot but um it was difficult for a while uh
1: i mean Conner- not now no <laughs> no uh Connor, for you, I guess, like, yeah, like, you said you were running the stream stuff. I don't know if we said this on the pod or we chatted about this, but running the stream stuff for Limitless, uh, was that your life sort of before Pandemic as well? Uh, Yeah,
2: so, um, before that, I got involved with Limitless uh, just before Sindelfingen Regionals, like, it's the only expanded regional we had in forever, Um, and I joined as a caster. Um, Then David Hochman, who was the stream guy was in charge of the stream when I got there um, and basically I, they were bringing in new casters because he was moving to Japan for a bit um, and they needed someone to help cover uh, I was brought in they were they were kind enough to ask me to join and kind of keep going with them which was great um, and then yeah kind of built up and built up more and more stream knowledge I'm tech orientated anyway um, I, I, I worked in the sciences so it's something I was familiar with so it was kind of fine um but then just before the pandemic uh we kind of got uh we what well, we got invited to do a, a series so limitless is the stream site so the limitless is like the players right we have our team um then we have the website then we now have the lotp and there's the street we're we're all over the place (laughs) but um our players got invited to take part in an invitational with brave birds one of the teams from mexico um with the plan of streaming it but obviously they're in mexico so we had to do all the games via discord and work out basically how to efficiently stream um gameplay from you know remotely um and in our cases we also had it with two sets of hand cams so we had the Mm. the hand cam from mexico and from the Limitless player at the same time. So we kind of got a head start on the streaming side just before, um, I think that was like February, um, which then meant that when we got overly ambitious and tried to do uh, the Limitless Online Series 1, uh, I still have flashbacks to those sound notifications for judge calls. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was pretty, that was terrifying. Um, but when we got into that, it meant we were set up to do the streams, right? Like, we'd sort of got our head around it. Because from our perspective, if we wanted to do the event, we wanted to make sure we could stream it. Because that's what we're known for. It meant that we kept the channels up and running and kind of kept them relevant and not just mothball them for the year. So, yeah, that was that. was that. And also, just before the pandemic, uh, me and Robin had been doing our own podcast that since got abandoned. Um, which is Mm -hmm. the only other particular involvement I had with the community at the time.
1: Yeah. But then obviously you, you know, I've been working with them throughout the pandemic on um, all of the streams. I think the Limitless Online series is one that you mentioned. Um, I guess for, I wonder how many listeners started playing after the pandemic and after the Limitless Online series, but like a quick rundown of what that was. Cause I know that was, it was a big event for the community, especially at the time.
2: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Could be summarized as a mess um so we ran that on battlefy um and basically it the long and short was battlefy is not designed for swiss tournaments with deck lists like neither is smash to be honest mm-hmm. they're just not designed for this kind of game they're designed for fighting games um but on uh but halfway through literally we were still trying to run the event uh, we got a message from a rep from smash gg going hey uh want some help <laughs> so we were like yes we'll try that again in two weeks thank you we'll talk to you so smashy you reached out gave us a little of help gave us some dev time and stuff like that to get it up and running and then we ran a series of four tournaments uh one about is about one a month ish or one like, every couple of weeks i think we ended up doing uh for the qualifiers and then it was the finals we had to get over a certain number of points um so that was the series. We do actually hold the record for, I think, the second largest official or like Pokemon tournament ever. Oh, is actually is actually the fourth qualifier. It's like second or third. So they were like we had like thirteen hundred people um, for for the fourth qualifier, which the i so the idea came about because we were complaining that we had no tournaments to play. And uh, me and Philip, I think it was me basically the conversation went we could just run one how hard could it be Those are famous <laughs> <last words. laughs> yeah. um, and that was legitimately all it took to convince everyone which we just went we could probably run our own right and then we did so uh yeah that was the that was the first like major major online event then mm-hmm. pog happens august of last year right because yes. uh, august
1: it was like a replacement I- for worlds basically
2: yeah, um, where I was part of the stream team for that um, event. But yeah, uh, the Limitless Online series one was ambitious. Mm.
0: Yes. It was interesting because the first one, like the first one, was tried twice, right? Yes. It was on. It was on like Battlefy at first or Smash, um, one of those first,
2: two. Then Smash. And- um, basically, we broke the website.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I remember that because I was playing in it and I went I went like oh one or oh two in the beginning and then you're like oh never mind we're we're starting over and I was like yes maybe I got a chance sh- maybe I got well, a chance.
2: Yeah, so the way that ended up playing out it t- is obviously anyone can sign up on Smash or Battlefy, right, to run events. However, if you think your event's gonna be over a certain size, you should probably tell them because they'll put you from the baby server to the big server. Mm-hmm. Now the thing is we didn't have a clue what our attendance was going to be. So none of us really thought, we thought we'd get like a hundred people, which would be fine on on one of those things. Then we got to like several hundred and we were going, oh, (laughs) at which point it was a bit late to try and get hold of anyone to kind of go, can we, can we maybe move to a big server, please?
0: I just remember like, especially during that time, like I don't think Maddie was doing chill at that time. So I don't think it was an, Existent, I think Neil pie, You were doing the Neil pie Open, but it the Sunday Open, but it was just it was brand new. And then I think maybe Ethan Hegster had been doing like their first couple events, which had been like 20 30 people at most. So, like, you try. I mean, Connor was talking about the like the influx of 1300 people just coming out of nowhere. I remember I was doing Pokemon TCG videos like all the time and recapping analysis and tournaments and stuff and that was just mind-boggling to me to all of a sudden like 1300 people expressed interest in these in
3: these online events i don't think necessarily though that it it, you could say it it came out of nowhere because it wasn't i think the first one i don't know the numbers maybe connor will correct me but i think the first one was close to a thousand so it was big but hitting that 1300, it was like the final qualifier. So we'd been running for a while and people were, were looking forward to it. And there'd been a lot of coverage on it and online was really starting to kick off at that point. I think,
0: I mean, limitless Connor limitless was already like an organization, as you were mentioning before the pandemic, you know, like any results information of like regionals or SPS or like anything Pokemon trading card game related that was bigger than like a, a cup or something like the information was already there. So the evolution going into online tourneys, what what has been the biggest part of that evolution of Limitless?
2: I mean, to be honest, outside of Robin being a wizard, uh, not like the rest of the Limitless team, like we've just been doing our own thing. And then Robin's just over there Fixing the world's problems one <laughs> website at a time, like the, the 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 limitless main website was Robin and David. Uh, largely, they were the ones who mostly put up the results and like made the website run. Um, and for us, the online website, so uh, the limitless online tournament platform or play dot limitless, was <laughs> because during qualifier one, Robin went these websites are awful. I bet I could make my own and it did like, and you guys didn't like it. There was a gap between the qualifiers and the website launching. There wasn't, um, it literally was end of qualifier one, two days later. It's like, cool. So I've got the pairing algorithm done. Uh, two days later, it's like, okay, I think I've worked out account registration. And then it was most, it was mostly just bells and whistles from that point on before we launched it. Um, the, the guy's insane. But yeah, that was the biggest one is that we went from being our, like being, we had to rely on TOs, especially on the streaming side, right? And even getting the deck lists from regionals. Like for European regionals, we were normally there as a team. And it was only because we kind of knew some of the TOs and stuff that we'd be like, oh, hey, do you mind, like after the event's done, can we get some deck lists for top thirty two 32s? We can post them. And nine times out of 10, they were fine with it to now just we run our own so we don't have to ask anyone which is kind of nice but it's that's the biggest shift is we've gone from being very reliant on a to to being one Mm -hmm. which is a very different side of the coin because also now i realize why they told us no so often Mm -hmm. like now i'm like oh okay when you said no before when we asked these questions i was like what but like it's like advertising for your event or whatever uh, but I don't Oh no. I kind of see why now, huh? That makes a lot of sense. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a very different perspective on the whole tournament scene, to be honest.
0: And just like the wealth of information. I mean, I can go, I can go on play limitless now every day and find a new deck, you know, whereas like before I, I could only get a deck like every month or something. You know, net decking is a huge thing for me personally, because I'm a trash deck builder. Everything that I make goes 0-3 drop. But you know, having having the accessibility to try out new ideas, to see what people are doing, you know, trends, especially the metagame. Like I don't think the like the metagame tab specifically was like as what it detailed almost as like what it what it was before play limitless like when you're looking at results and things like that. And that, like that part to me is specifically is just astounding. Mm -hmm. I just tip my hat off real quick.
2: So, so that's right. That was why the limitless TCG website was existed in the first place, right? was to collect these things. So you could see how formats developed, right? Like you'd see, I I used to love doing this. If you'd go in to see like a regional in the U S one week, and then you could see the counterpicks crop up at the next one. Right. Mm -hmm. And you could see that people had like, not just, like changed card inclusions because of the presence of this other deck so it was that was always fascinating but for me i i also play hearthstone um and hearthstone has a website which does this in real time because they're an online platform uh called hs replay which is just mind-blowing like you go on you go i would like to play this type of deck and i and you just and then they just a list and it's literally updated in real time and i was like well okay we can't quite do that because we don't have access to the ptcgo like data to be able to do that but why couldn't we basically do the same thing via you know just have the tournaments sort on of a place where we do have the data uh, the api is like available you just have to ask robin and he'll give it to you i know it was dino data i forget what they rebranded to
3: train, train hill. hill now
2: yeah um has it and other people have asked for the co- like for the access code like it's all there basically it's a big old file that you can pull and you can do round by round analysis or like deck by deck it's it's actually really interesting um because it lets the format develop quite quickly which is also a downside from my perspective right um we've always had people complain that formats get stale but that was when we had like two regionals a month and an IC every three. Now you're playing three regionals a week effectively in scale, right? Like there are three biggish tournaments a week. You're going to solve and work out what the best decks are. And then you're going to play them into the ground and then you're going to get bored. And I honestly think that is a huge contributing factor to people kind of being bored with the game. What seems like so much quicker. I, I know they've always been like, it's always been like this, but you get player burnout as you do with TO burnout, right? Uh people just play too much because it's so easy to sign up and play a tournament every night of the week that they forget maybe they shouldn't. Maybe I think they can
3: I, just take a break. I think that's a huge thing as well, that since one of the one of the main changes we've had since going to online is is like you say, the availability of tournaments and the amount of of games people can play over the course of a week or a month and you know the amount of cards people can draw and the amount of decisions people can make i think that while it's it does feed into burnout feeds into a bit of negativity and people not liking the format i think it's also made a lot of players a lot better a lot more quickly than they would have done in real life play maybe if they were playing at league once a week and then traveling to a cup at the weekend and then maybe a regional every couple of months uh, we've seen a lot of players really come and rise up and become notable during during the online scene just because they're the sort of player who's been able to play five, six, seven, eight tournaments a week and get all of that wealth of experience in a very short amount of time. And I, there, are, there are absolute definite players who you would never have heard of, mm. who I think we're going to see when we go back into real-life real play, start topping events, just because of the amount of experience they've built up for themselves during during the pandemic.
2: Well, that was actually a huge factor. And, and the thing that I'd like to see continue when things go back to normal with like the in-person events is we had winners for the Limitless Online Series and players who were juniors, but from countries that basically have no organized play, right? Like, yeah. Or the, the, like, they have basically no way of taking part properly and they're going to win these thousand people events. Like that's insane. And it's also not everyone has the the financial means to travel to a regional or an IC. But 90% of people pro- well, everyone listening to the podcast has a device probably capable of playing PTCGO in some way, right? Which means you can play. That's it. Like that's the only requirement. Can you run PTCGO? Cool. You can play. And that I love like the it's so much easier for people to get into competitive play now because you're now not having to commit to drive or fly to a major tournament you can just do it yep. in your pajamas in your
3: living room yeah it's huge as well I remember the first the first time we had a junior win the Sunday open it just blew my mind like we had a, a few seniors winning it uh, and then we had a junior win it and now there are a couple of juniors that are consistently you know making top cut in several hundred player events and these are like nine-year-old kids ten-year-old kids it's like <laughs> that's crazy right but then they're going to go back to organized play and sorry sorry <laughs> out you go you're not allowed to play anymore right yeah it's <laughs> little
0: timmy i'm sorry you you don't you can't buy the 500 dollars ticket to go to uh, L.A. or whatever to go play in a regional.
1: Yeah. I mean, I will be interested to see if the parents, if they see the success that their kids have had, are like, okay, I guess we'll take little Timmy to regional X or regional Y. I, they, these also might be the kids who are already... Because there is yeah. that like small group, I think, of juniors who are very well supported by their parents, and those are the ones I, that can. I think
3: if any parent is letting their kids sit around playing Pokemon online for, for as long hours. as some of these players are sitting around playing <laughs> or or, they're pretty supportive yeah they're yeah pretty... like
0: some of these <laughs> some of these tournaments are long oh my
3: god like, and in the small hours turned, too right if you're in chile and you're playing in a tournament in like a european tournament you're up till four in the morning like to play in pog and in some of the limitless qualifiers these kids are there they're for long hours it's crazy
2: yeah, that was that was the thing we tried to do with the limitless qualifiers. Is we tried to do different start times to mm-hmm. like spread them out around the world. Yeah. Um, turns out if the staff are all European, that just means we're really grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, because I mean, this was discussed for Pog, right? Uh, for uh, for Pog last year, we were discussing, you know, when should we start to try and make it as fair as possible? Which then meant that I was running the stream until 3 a.m. or something one morning, and it was just like, look, guys, like. Uh, if the staff are all from one area, I'm sorry, but I'm going to put my foot down and say the staff get priority for some of these things. Cause mm-hmm. you don't want to make a judge call. And someone who's now been up for like 19 hours has to come in and try and uh, argue over this bizarre ruling because PTCGO bugged, because my <laughs> answer will be, I don't care. Go away. Okay. <laughs> It's like I it, remember a bug. Sitting in
3: front of the screen with like my it felt like my eyes were bleeding because I've been staring at a screen for 18 hours the previous day and had three hours sleep and up again. Yeah. And it was, was like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, uh, that was rough. I just
0: want to give this question to both of you right now, going back to PTCGO bugs. If Oof. if the Pokemon Company International came to both of you and said, We're willing to do one thing. To improve PTCGO. I I rag on PTCGO all the time. I think it's I think it's bad. If they came to you and they said to you, we'll grant you one wish for PTCGO, what would you both say? Neil Pye, you go first.
3: Can I cheat and have two? Yeah, you can I mean I've, I've got can... one straightforward thing that I want, which yeah. is please, please just change the twenty five minute match clock on a friendly challenge to a 12-and-a-half-minute match clock. When when they brought in, I think it was, we'd been in lockdown and playing online for a little while, and all of a sudden they popped up, hey, we've made this change. You can have time challenges now. And we we're all like, brilliant, fantastic. That's going to be the first of many features they're going to add to help out all the online players. Uh, and it sort of stopped there. And if that clock was 12-and-a-half minutes, which is long enough on both sides to play one game of PTCGO, Um, We would just see all of the problems we have with tournaments online about timer stalling just gone. They would just go. Um, It wouldn't be an issue anymore. Players, I saw someone say that would put stall decks at a disadvantage, but not really. If you've ever played a stall deck properly in real life, you have to play fast. Yeah. Like you don't, you're not sitting there thinking about it you know you have to know exactly what you're doing yeah you like when you watch sander play if you ever see him streaming he knows he's ready to click immediately exactly what he's going to click before the cards even out he's waiting for ptcgo to let him click you have to play fast so you'll still see you know the good stall players would still succeed and all of the problems we have with timer stalling just go literally go it would be so good that would be my number one but my second <laughs> wish if I'm allowed to would be for them to grant early access to players to when they add the card pool into the system i think one of the best ways they can get rid of a lot of the bugs would be to allow like a a beta scheme or an opt-in scheme where players can build those decks early start practicing and testing against each other before they're live on the system and live in the public but it's under a it's under a, a, a beta program. So they spot bugs. They find bugs. And all of the card interactions that we find on day one that make the game practically unplayable at a competitive level, they can be spotted well ahead. All reported, fixed, and then rolled out. It would That would be my second wish. I don't think the second one's as... Well, I think both are probably achievable. I'm not asking for, you know, <laughs> huge changes. I think, like,
0: Overwatch does that. Yeah. I yeah. remember, like, playing Overwatch. They had, like, a... Like a a testing area almost, where like characters got in early or whatever. I'm pretty sure they Overwatch. Do. They I don't a separate like server. Talking about Blizzard right now mm. and prompting Blizzard, but like I think Overwatch does that kind of style, which I really really liked when I was in like the the pro scene.
3: Yeah, well, I think it's a standard thing when, when you develop in any kind of game or software is you you let players play it beforehand. I don't know, maybe they do. Maybe we don't know about it, but
2: the mine's amount of to that
3: get shipped. Yeah, sorry.
2: Go. On. Like, it's mine's very much related. Of give it to a company who give a damn. Um, uh, <laughs> right, like when PTCO was um, like the first developed, it was it was supposed to be a fairly smallish project for the company they gave it to, and now, in, during the course of the pandemic, it has grown. Whether that growth will continue or not, I don't know. Um, but the, the gist of it is they haven't given it to someone who's a a company that is involved with the Pokemon franchise, right? Which means that it's a project. And I would assume that there is some form of contract that says like X number of hours to implement X features per X time period, right? Whatever. But if you gave it to a company or someone who was really passionate about the franchise, you'd probably get more out of those hours or they would anticipate some of these bugs or they would, because they understand the game right outside of a coding level, they, they understand what's going on. Then you'd probably not implement some of the things that have been implemented in the way they have been. Like some of the bugs that crop up are mind boggling because they fix one thing and seemingly that breaks another entirely unrelated thing which means that when it was implemented the logic behind the game fundamentally, like the rules of the game and how cards interact may have been slightly missed um, which is fixed by giving it to a dev team who know the game it's like, it's the same with the like, TOs. TOs and like content creators who know the game will tend to make content or decisions for tournaments that are better because they understand what they're trying to do clearer. Um, So yeah, give it to someone who knows what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Whenever we talk bugs, I just think, I think it was like a year ago. It was last year. Like uh, maybe like either darkness of blazes release or something. It was like late summer or maybe during the summer, but it was like, the it was as soon as the set released there was just this huge influx of bugs and i remember there was one where it was like you played a certain card at a certain time and like all of the cards from your deck like went into your active pokemon the active pokemon like flipped over (laughs) does anybody else like remember remember like that 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 slew of bugs i made a video on it i was trying to find the video (laughs) of just like all the bugs there was like Fifteen different like major bugs that broke the game mm-hmm. that people found out. I just remember I was like constantly rescrolling Twitter trying to find the next funniest thing that I've ever seen in my life. But it, it, uh, man, I I will never forget that time. It was it was absurd. Yeah. And then like Beast Energy a couple of years
3: ago was banned for a long
0: time mm-hmm. on PTCGO. It was like six months, something like
3: that. I, I think I don't think it would have stayed banned for as long if ptcgo had been seeing the amount of use that it sees at the moment just do you know what i mean if yeah. there'd been people playing all the time and making noise about it i think a lot of people all the main competitive players wouldn't have been playing on ptcgo they'd have been like no i'll just test in real life ptcgo is rubbish it doesn't well, it's bugged It's no point and they don't make enough noise to get it fixed you know
2: that's actually a huge factor as well right and this is something that i always try and bear in mind when these conversations come up is two pokemon the competitive community that we're all part of by default, right? Or the the, more, the very engaged community is such a tiny, tiny fraction of the user base. We do not factor into their decisions whatsoever. From from their perspective, a regional, all of the play, play uh, Pokemon stuff, that's just marketing budget, right? Which means cool, we turn up, so we help make some of the money back because we give some tickets in or whatever. But like they're probably still making a loss on most of these events, which then means it's a marketing cost. So what, what we don't really matter as far as they are concerned. Like it's, it's not as relevant when we're complaining about, oh, this very specific card interaction doesn't work quite the way it was intended because there's tens of thousands, if not millions of other players out there who... Would, wouldn't even know that was how the card should work, mm. right? Because that's not how they engage.
3: I mean, numbers-wise, you can you can look it up and see worldwide how many players there are that have even even you know earned CP by turning up at a challenge, you know, and compare that to the number of Pokemon Go players, mm. for example, yeah. or you know the you know the number of units sold of Sword and Shield, uh, like the, the video game we're tiny we're tiny we don't being able to acknowledge that is fine but a lot of a lot of people get a i think you know they they get a think we're a little bit more important than we actually are in the grand scheme of things and it's not to say we we shouldn't you know want things to be better but yeah in terms of thinking there's everything is a business and as you say a regional the world championships the cp grind it's a marketing effort Mm -hmm. for the pokemon company that's whenever, what it is. Whenever I bash
0: on TPCI though, I always like to say, I think the last like five months have been a lot better with TPCI, like interacting with the community. You know, I think with the last set release, I believe, I think they put a patch out like a day later of yep. like some bugs that had been arising. And that was like the fastest I've ever seen them work on like patching things up. And then what they are doing working with content creators you know sending them codes to give away sending them boxes and things yeah, um, it's huge. i, I, it's I good. applaud them for that you know recognizing yeah, it's good. that
3: i love i love going online and seeing other tos holding you know boxes full of the latest product while i stand at my desk and draw <laughs> my fingers empty-handed that's great
0: <laughs> i think i want to no, that's not I saying I anything.
3: To, it's wonderful
0: <laughs> has uh has tpci maybe not necessarily youtube but just like have you heard tpci like reaching out
3: to like different TOs. Like- uh, the only one I've heard of would be, uh, I know Maddie from chill mm-hmm. uh, was granted some product, but he's also a pretty big content creator, right? He's got uh, quite a decent YouTube following as well. Um, we, a, a lot of the, the sanction, say sanctioned like qualified professors. So TOs judges, we're all, you know, available to help out for things like players cups. You know, anybody who runs a league would have been running a team challenge. So we're all still running online events. There are online events run through TPCI. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't see that, from my mind, I don't see them reaching out to some online organizer that runs a tournament asking them to come and help. To me, it should come from the organizer. The organizer should write, you know, I want to become more involved with organized play. I want to be more involved with TPCI. It kind of happened, though.
0: Um, so Lydia I know there was one time during the the Limitless series. I think it was the third one. Like the Pokemon play Pokemon Twitter. Yeah,
2: like yeah, they tweeted it us. Yeah, yeah, they, they tweeted so that, us, which was cool. insane. Um, that's cool. Like our reaction to that was, "Oh my God, what is happening?" Um, <laughs> because like that doesn't happen easily. Um, but Lydia. Um, so Lydia is a judge. Like she's a qualified yeah. judge. But um her first major judging and toing experience was the limitless online stuff right um and then she was one of the head judges for pc2 i mm-hmm. think for players cup 2 like she was she was like one of the lead judges on that because um like she she'd worked with pokemon before as well but um but she's like
3: part of the professor program though that's what, yeah, what yeah, i'm saying exactly yeah. She was
2: She was part of it, they already knew of her, but they were like, okay, but you've kind of shown that you can run these big online events, we're running a large online event. Could
3: you help? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of- what I'd, I'd like to see, like I say, as we go back, as IRL comes back, um, I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. I, You know, I have a dream world in my head where somehow they there's a, a way to earn CP that doesn't involve, you know, schlepping around the country playing in a league Cup every weekend in a different store like the organized play program we talk about it as a marketing as a marketing tool but it's also it's also there to support stores so um, like uh, as an organizer I've run leagues like a hobby league which is not based in the shop and a league which is based in the shop now if you're not based in the shop you can't have league challenges you can't have League cups and the the justification behind that is because those are to, to support the stores, um, which is perfectly fine and viable. Personally, I question whether the best support for a store is captured by having thirty grinders turn up once, you know, once, once every month. three months, yeah, uh, and then descend on the store, you know, with packed lunches. And then leave and never come back and then the week later at league you've got you know five people four people three people i'd like to see i think the team challenge was fantastic i, I know it, it got a lot of bad press on twitter it wasn't necessarily handled well by but by, by the uh the to's running it i don't know my experience was great it got our locals back to playing our locals weren't really into playing in all the online tournaments um i think probably because the standard is actually quite high. It's a lot higher than most uh, players who aren't playing online would necessarily recognize. I think there's a very high standard of play online. Our locals would turn up, enter a tournament, go three drop every time. Getting them actually as a community, playing together, testing against each other, playing against another store, I thought it was great. And it really helped build a community around the players attached to the store, and uh, increased rivalries between a store and a neighboring store. And it it helped to build that local sense of community again. Uh, I'd really like to see something like that stay um, rather than the focus be on individual players who just, you know, hop round and round and round from cup to cup to cup to cup to cup. I think that takes something away from it. It, It's not where I'd like to see us go when we go back, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. The team pricing also... The the
3: prizing uh, allocation for the team challenge, it's phenomenal. That was pretty okay. sweet, right? But yeah, I don't, I don't expect that to continue, but um, yeah, that was pretty sweet. <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean, my thought—I think I've said this several months ago now on the pod, but and this maybe brings us to the point about like you know what what do we think will happen once IRL events come back to online events and. You know, your thoughts on whether TPCI should find a way to integrate whether they're existing online events um, or like maybe like encouraging organizations to start their own. But I personally have always thought that TPCI should find a way to bring online events into the sanctioned play where you can earn CP. I don't, I, I see your point, Neil, about like they exist to support stores, but like if you did one basically big regional every two months as an online event, right? Like, I don't think that would, it wouldn't hurt any stores all that much, like per region, right? Like, you know, because you're thinking like, you know, the Chill TCG series, you know, four or 500 people, um, the Limitless series, you can get upwards of 700 to 1,000 people. And I think that would, to me, like, I don't know. I wonder y'all, y'all's thoughts about that though.
3: I think, Okay, it has to come from within the professor program. So at the moment, the professor program, you have one qualification to be an organizer, and that's someone who's allowed to run tournaments. And there are specific responsibilities that that person would have. Another qualification is to be a judge. Um, and you again, it's a different test. You have to know more about rulings and that sort of thing. Um, if the Pokémon Company are prepared to allow professors to run online events unsupervised in the form of the Team Challenge, which they've done, and under supervision. Super- supervisation uh, with with scrutiny by Spribution. the Pokémon Company. With scrutiny by the company, <laughs> yeah. as part of the Players Cup, there is the next logical step to me, which is to allow sanctioned professors to uh, run online events officially sanctioned online events and you don't you wouldn't enter into that running a 700 man event um, because you don't enter the professor program like that you have to successfully report your league attendance for three months and then you have to successfully run and report three monthly league challenges so there's a, a, a very long period of being a professor before you're even allowed to hold a league cup and then you then have to have a higher qualification to be before you can judge at a regional and so it's a very slow process that is very controlled very monitored um and i'd like to see that extended to online i would i think there's a place for it i think there's an appetite for it um it just needs to be put in place by the person at the top with control um i don't see any reason why it wouldn't work What we don't want to have, though, is you don't want to have somebody with no experience running their 750-man event. Uh, You know, the proverbial hits the fan, everything goes wrong. So it's really got to be taken in baby steps to get to where we want it to be.
1: Uh, One interjection that I want to hear Connor's thoughts on this, too, which is that, like, I think we've already seen a little bit of even as uh, well intended as people can be. Lots of people being able to run events on Limitless. I think that's great because they're not sanctioned. It's like trust or don't trust the TOS. But even the ones that are very well known make lots of mistakes, and I'm like, they should probably, if Pokemon wanted to do this, be a standard.
2: But <laughs> well, that's that's actually a, a huge factor in in the online community because there's no barrier to entry, right? To to run an event on Limitless, there is a very simple quiz. Um where in theory you can just read the document and you should be able to answer the questions. Um, So the barrier to entry is minimal. Actually getting involved with a store to become a TO for a store is actually a lot more involved and vets out a lot of the people who... and kind of enforces a level of maturity and decision-making that doing so online may not, right? Because, you know the store owner has to decide that you're someone that should be allowed to run something in their store, right? Like they should decide that you're a suitable fit or it is the store owner, in which case they've sunk a load of money into it. So they're committed, right? Like they're, they're, they're not going to try and do this in a rush. And then, because you have to build up the reputation in real life of getting your league going, getting to the number of like the minimum number of people attending your league to get to a league challenge can be really difficult if you're a small store and you know, you have to make sure it's in, you know, engaging people feel welcome to come and play and that you're able to get new people who've never played into the game, right? Which is a level of teaching. And from that level of teaching comes being able to explain why your ruling decision is the way it is in a sensible way. So, those are factors that you build up in real life, where online, you don't need that, right? Like, PTGO does 90% of the judging work for you. Mm. Anything that happens outside of that would probably fall under, like, some sportsmanship conduct <laughs> section of the rulings. It's not going to be a card game ruling anymore. And those sportsmanlike conduct things are almost always a he said she said situation but at least if you're in real life you're talking to both players and you can kind of gauge how the two are responding right because if one person's very clearly heated and angry you might be thinking maybe they did say something they shouldn't have said online when it's text in a text box that's impossible so it's it's not as easy to judge online or like to TO online as people would think it is because of that missing communication step. But that's all you have to deal with because the game does the rest, like the deck check things like that's handled for you. Everything is basically done. So you're then left on actually what is one of the more difficult rulings to get right, which is the player behavior stuff. And that's also where a lot of controversy can come from because what one person might see as inappropriate and um, and, and too far could be a joke between friends that was misconstrued, right? Coochie
1: yeah. baby 5000.
2: That's yeah. what I was, thinking, <laughs> but I exactly. didn't want to say it. No, exactly, right? And it's it's one of those things where, you know, you can't tell intent in those situations. So it's a joke between friends that gets out of hand, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. And, yeah, you know, we had, but we had a case of that in a real life regional too. Um, uh, one of the regionals in Sweden a couple of years ago, uh, two friends were playing each other. One of them at the end of the game jokingly showed him the bird, which was seen (laughs)
1: by
2: a judge. By a judge. And they were then given the appropriate penalty and they then lost that, which then meant they were out. And it was like, but you know, in, I might be slightly misremembering, but like, that was basically the gist of it. And it's like, those rulings are the, like the very difficult ones to get right. Mm -hmm. A card game ruling is like how two cars interact. There is a right and a wrong with people, not so straightforward. So that can be very difficult and is the cause of most of the issues online. Mm. Um,
3: I would say as well, when you, when you throw into that mix, what we, we've never had to deal with before, which is we're now, we have a global community. So we have Japanese players playing. We have players from Chile. We have players from the States. We have, you know, someone from Basel down the road here. we have, uh, communities online that have in jokes they have uh, silently agreed upon standards of behaviour that maybe people outside that circle don't know or understand uh, we have people coming from other online games where the standard of behaviour and the way you speak to each other is absolutely terrible but that's just accepted as being okay and they might come to our game say something which would be considered extremely mild and wonder what the problem is Yeah, you know, there's and being able to run a tournament is about being able to communicate with all those different types of player, and being able to get them all on the same page as quickly as possible. Um, I'm not. Maybe I come under a bit of fire for for being a bit more lenient than I should be. I'm always very much everybody gets a second chance. If you come in, you do something wrong. We'll talk to you about it. We'll explain why what you did was incorrect. We'll make you apologize, but you're always welcome to come back. Second time you do it, well, you just don't care. Sorry. But it's. I would rather with things like player behavior and and the problems we see there, I would rather be eliminating the behavior than eliminating the players. Mm -hmm. And that's a a very big thing for me. Uh, It's an easy fix to eliminate the players, but it doesn't get rid of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to eliminate the behavior and educate everybody so that they know what's going on. Then the problem goes away long-term. Yeah.
0: We're going to be wrapping up here on the Metapod. Sean is pulling the, pulling the cane (laughs) out. I'm just
1: just looking at the time. I'm looking at the return. I
0: have to ask one question. (laughs) Both of you, what is your favorite deck of all time? Uh,
2: Mine is going to be Dragapult VMAX uh oh, from, very... from rebel clash last year purely because it was the deck that i did fairly well with in pc one and like that's the only time that's ever happened so i was like i'll take it that's gotta be my favorite now hey you
0: know what my favorite deck is the only top cut i got in a cup is pidgeotto exactly. control
1: in cosmic <laughs> eclipse but
0: i, okay, yeah, I no, love we that can deck
2: up now. we can wrap up <laughs> just
1: <laughs> just, now now i'm grabbing the stick and i'm just <laughs> pulling jake away after saying pidgeota control
0: like jake shut up my, about that deck uh, uh, jake, it honestly,
3: did... if it's my favorite deck would be uh did you ever play Rhyperia mill in some lot with meganium and the charizard gx with a super boost which you then drop on it and mill for 10 on the last turn of the game to win absolutely banging deck absolutely amazing um evolve into riperia mill three off the top and you just keep ace rollering with the rainbow mill three it's lovely (laughs) lovely lovely deck
0: whereas we need to bring that back in the retro events going on like we we need need to try that
3: (laughs) i'm zipped i'm not saying anything else done (laughs) (laughs) uh
1: yeah i mean i think that's a good oh by the way anybody out there watching uh, we'll show all of our mugs because i have a pokemon mug now as we wrap up jake has his pokemon mug
0: it's now a requirement that whenever we have guests on the podcast, everybody has to bring a mug.
1: Yes, and, don't and,
0: necessarily have to drink out of it, but you got to show off a mug at least. And as you've you might to have get noticed the there, YouTube of all the mugs that we see.
1: As you might have noticed there, Neil is a, a Porygon stand, big Porygon stand. So uh, if you Porygon ever
2: Porygon yes,
1: yes. So if you ever see anything about Porygon or find any random Porygon cards, I'm sure Neil would love to see them and have them. <laughs> but, um. Yeah, that's I think that'll do it. Oh, we did get um fifty reviews. You posted it on Twitter, Jake, so this is for the folks out there. I will I will look into figuring out both a place that Jake and I can record at Gen Con, assuming Jake is able to join me in Indianapolis. Uh IRL assuming
0: that Gen Con is still happening, because I think Indianapolis just hit the red.
1: Oh no. Okay. Well, okay, a lot of assumptions there. But assuming all of those things Oh, just get get the vaccine. Just do it. Do it, I'm, indeed. I'm, I'm I know you are. I'm, I'm, I, it's not you. All Talking to your neighbors. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and then we'll also try to figure out maybe some way for us to, if it happens, to meet up with people, as long as it's safe. I will caveat that now, considering the change in things here in the U.S. the last month.
0: Yeah, but are there any shout-outs that you want to give? You know, I know... Uh, there's an important play limitless one at least um, financially Mm -hmm. that I think we should mention because I don't think we've mentioned it yet so Connor do you want to give any shout outs where can people
2: find you things like that Yeah. so um, it's pointless following me on Twitter I don't tweet anything (laughs) Um, but uh, go and follow the main limitless TCG page or from that go find Robin because Robin's the one who he doesn't tweet much but he's the one who does basically all the work on the play limitless website it's basically supported entirely by ads on the website, more or less for a long time. He, it wasn't even that. And he was just paying for the server out of pocket. He he's doing it because he wants to help the community, right? It's the same with the main limitless page. Um, but the best way, if you would like to support the website, um, is to go to the limitless TCG patron. So patreoncom slash limitless TCG. Um, and just give a little there. It makes a big difference because it's not free running yeah. one of those things. Um, and, yeah, he he does it because he wants to. So help him out.
1: Neil? Any uh... um,
3: Yeah, no, just if you want to find me on Twitter, you can at Neil underscore Pi. Uh, come play in the Sunday Open, though. Uh, every Sunday, European time, uh, late afternoon to early evening. I've got to do a big shout to, to Niall, who I essentially handed the keys over to recently because uh, my league's in real life picking back up, which means I won't be available on Sundays. He's now running that for me. Another very experienced judge from the UK. Uh, very, very cool guy. Very helpful. Uh, but please, yeah, come play in the tournament um, and just be nice to each other. You can
0: Venmo Neil Pie at i uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> I, I love that sentiment. Just be nice to each other, especially online. It's a great way to wrap it up. Just. thank you again
0: for joining us on this week of the metapod i love that we're featuring these people that have and how like how talk about kind of how the online game has changed all these different aspects you know tos content creators soon we'll be talking to players and just all of these people so thank you again so much for joining us on this week's metapod podcast the podcast that revolves around the evolving meta sean do you have any final thoughts i didn't
1: i didn't ask you for your opinion pika 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 goodbye